Welcome back to the Wolf of Queen Street podcast series. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to do a shout out to the studio we're recording from today. Campfire Studios, a place in the heart of Auckland, not just a studio to produce content and build relationships, but also to build a community to bring people together and try to make a change in the content um, our communities we have around there and trying to make a difference around ourselves in Auckland and New Zealand. And it's an amazing place that I love using at the moment for the last few months, and that's Campfire Studios. But to my guests today, almost don't have to mention your name so much that you've been on my podcast, or second most out of all my guests in the last three years, Karen Goss, uh, a change maker, a futurist, as well as an entrepreneur. And we have this weird little niche that every time you've been on my show in the long form content, because you're a bit of a futurist, we always talk about future ideas within one to three months of a random amazing future idea it actually happened in New Zealand we're just speaking about it off air we spoke about tiny homes that has become mainstream we spoke about blockchain property both of us invest in blockchain property since that uh, that episode and it's more mainstream also talk about 3d printing of houses that has happened so I'm real interested to see today on today's episode Karen um, what are we going to get into and what are we almost going to predict uh, a Nostradamus style is what's going to happen next in the New Zealand market and with yourself but uh, Karen welcome to the show. Yeah cheers Lawrence great to be back and uh, yeah I'm not going to stick my name to any of that but let's see what happens in the show and uh, see what actually happens in real life. Um, be, I'll be just as interested as you are, I think. Yeah, I, um, just from the last one we did, we did talk about flying cars. I think that one might take a little bit more time to become more mainstream. But yeah, it's, I'm real interested because I know we finished off the episode. We went, okay, which one of the items that we spoke about is actually going to happen? So awesome. But today I wanted to get you on the show to talk about uh, Freedom Co., which is a, some, a brand of yourself or business of yourself you've had for quite a while, but you've taken it more to the, sort of the next level, um, driving it to um, big goals for 2023. Um, if I just read off you at the moment, Freedom Co. is born to be the catalyst that brings together new technologies and create a zero-cost living model for people out there. Now, it's sort of a real awesome sentence or statement, but I'd love to know from you what it is, what it's fundamentally going to try and achieve, and how it's going to help the communities out there. Yeah, absolutely. So so to touch on that, we've actually got to go back in time, futurist going back, right? <laughs> um, it was 2015, and I was at an event here in Auckland, and um, he's one of my mentors actually stood up on stage, and he starts talking about 3D printing mm. and about how uh, a company in China had just started 3D printing, and they, they 3D printed a... a seven-story building or something in like 21 days. And I'm going like, oh my God, this is going to change so much. I really want to get into 3D printing. But it was later uh, in January 2016 mm-hmm. that I then went over to Los Angeles and I was, I was at a conference with Peter Diamandis, mm-hmm. who's like world-renowned futurist, right? He almost... I, he would never say single-handedly, but he was, again, a catalyst for for private space mm-hmm. tourism and, and this private space industry that we've got today. And he's got like five, five-ish businesses which have completely disrupted the world. And so I was, I was part of his mastermind group for a while, and I was, I was at the event, and he says, it's not the technology by itself, it's when they come together. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, so it's not just the 3D printing and it's not just tiny homes, but if we could 3D print tiny homes, then, then that's yeah. that's a game changer, right? And it's not 
the blockchain and it's not um you know 3d printing it's it's how do we use the blockchain in order to fund 3d printing mm-hmm. or change our mortgages up or something um so if i was going to put something down it would probably be are we going to have crypto mortgages mm-hmm. uh within <laughs> i don't think it'll be a month <laughs> yeah. but i think within the next yearish yeah. we we could expect to see crypto mortgages starting to take off they are happening in uh in america but not not quite as a traditional mortgage against the house um so yeah, I, I started looking at all that, and then I was like, so everything I've talked about or everything I've been researching mm-hmm. from all the new technologies coming through, from solar power getting better and better and better, from atmospheric water generators, yep. meaning that we can just suck water out of the... I mean, you're from South Africa, yep. right? You only know hmm. Cape Town was how many days away from running out of water? Oh, they were they were less than 100 days. It was even quite low. It was, I think, even close to 50 days. They had like five years of no rain yep. at some yep. stage, right? Yeah. So so all the... And, and India was the same. There's a, a city in India that was like, yo, they were almost draining yep. puddles because they were that desperate. Um, and all these technologies actually exist already that can solve all those issues. And when I started looking at them, I was like, okay, so if it's not about the individual technology, but how do they converge? What would the house of, say, 2050 look like? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if you have flying cars, you don't need roads, so you can literally go get get land anywhere, yep. right? You no longer need to be in cities. And if you look at that, we have an abundance of land. Mm-hmm. It's just the councils come through and and they artificially inflate the value because they say, no, you can't chop this land up. Yep. But if, if we start thinking about rethinking distance, because, you know, when we bring in flying cars and hyperloops, well, now all of a sudden you can get anywhere in the North Island within an hour. But that, you see, but you see that. You see that sort of big stint in the UK, right? You know, everyone in the UK, because their, their train and their transport system is so, so advanced, yeah. you know, you, you you work in London, but you live in yeah. way, way out yeah. of London, right? Yeah. That doesn't exist in New Zealand. You've got to be within 30, 40 kilometers of the city to be able to be sufficient enough, right? And that still takes you over an hour just to go from one side to the other. In peak hour, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you, you think about that. Well, now all of a sudden land is dirt cheap. Yeah. I mean, it's, isn't it funny we say dirt cheap, yeah. yet land is not <laughs> typically. But, you know, if, if we start thinking about it from that side of things, then, yeah, distance is no issue. Mm-hmm. There's an abundance of land that will drive prices right down if we can 3D print a house. Yep. Well, that drives prices right down. If you can produce your own electricity, if you can capture your own water, well, you don't need huge infrastructure. The council doesn't need to spend billions putting in, in roadways and, and pipes and water pipes and sewage pipes and uh, electricity and all of that because mm-hmm. everyone's now self-sufficient. There's new technology with hydroponics and aeroponics and aquaponics and just chuck ponics on the end of it and and it's probably something, right? Um, Which means we can actually grow an abundance of food ourselves. We've got living roofs where we, you know, Mm. know, imagine having a farm on your roof. So when I looked at all of that, I was like, oh my God, we're going to be able to drive the cost of building, the cost of living right down. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so if we get houses for free... Like if we don't, if we, we all pay a living tax, right? Yep. Just in order to be alive, I've got to pay for food, electricity, water, something to do with land, whether I own my own house debt free, then I still have to pay rates, yep. right? So just to be alive, I have to pay for, I have to pay for the right to be right. alive. But if we have all of that introduced, then that cost of being alive is so low. And then I, I saw a, a, another issue. Okay. Well, if if we end up in that situation, well, society could go one of two ways. 
We could go the way I want it to go, mm-hmm. which is that all of a sudden people don't have to work simply to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to go work shit jobs that they hate. They're not going to tolerate dickhead bosses. Yep. Um, and they're going to start to do something more meaningful. They're going to take on bigger projects. Because if you literally can't fail, like, you know, your business might fail. Yep. But if you know there's no chance of you ending up on the streets if the business fails, that your kids are always mm-hmm. going to go with food in their belly and a, a warm night's sleep or dry night's sleep or whatever, you know, um, you know, what would you mm-hmm. what would you try? Yeah. And for worst comes to worst, doesn't matter. You've got a roof over your head, mm-hmm. you've got food in your belly, you've got clean water to drink and the lights are still on. Yep. So so that is the future I really hope mm-hmm. that we go to. But there's also another way, right? And we already see that. So being you know, having been in the investment space, seen people um, you know, create financial freedom, I've seen a number of them just go and be beach bums. Yep. Where they they literally and, and to me, like, if that's your life, awesome, but you have no purpose. You could die tomorrow and no one would give a shit. Yeah. All you do is sit at the beach surfing because you own a few houses, whatever, mm-hmm. right? And, and to me, that's just not inspiring at all. But the other side of that is is the beneficiary mindset. So we already have people in society who don't have to work. They get paid in order to live mm-hmm. because they're on the benefit. Yep. And without generalizing too much – you know, they're not really contributing anything back. They're not following passions. There's a lot of domestic violence, mm-hmm. alcohol, drugs within that sort of yep. area. And I'm going, holy shit. So so we could end up one of two ways, right? We we go the abundance mindset or we go the scarcity mindset. Which which do I want it to be? And so I see it as a great responsibility from us as we start going in and and developing properties with each development, bringing in an aspect of what we talk about with the future Mm -hmm. of property, trying to to decrease the cost of living within these developments. I mean, it's going to take years, right? Um, and and we did figure out a strategy to do that with the Mirawai Tiny House Village. <laughs> still a bit still a bit sore about that, but um, but you know. But we- on paper, that one. And, um, just to go back to one, not to not to push on <laughs> it. Um, Karen Karen came forward with a, a, a community village that was out in Mirawai, which is actually literally five minutes down the road from where I lived. Um, and what she was put on paper and what was designed was the, sort of the the first stage of this model that you're talking about, right? Exactly. Uh, tiny communities, yep. uh, a local shop, um, growing everything at that. And it was the cost of living. I think you'd gotten it down to cents on the dollar for everyone that was part of this community. Um, and it showed it could, it could work and everything else. And the only reason it didn't go ahead wasn't um, that it wouldn't work. It was just fundamentally – uh, let's cancel. Let's just say cancel. Let's just say the council <laughs> and some paperwork that was there. Um, that's the reason why. But fundamentally, the 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 foundation of that idea was then everything was worked and everyone that was around it was fully supportive of of the thought patterns behind it. Absolutely, and, yeah. So that was that was utilizing. We asked, okay, many of these technologies don't exist or aren't commercially mm-hmm. viable right now. But what is the easiest way we could actually create that life where mm-hmm. we had? Entrepreneurs all living together, um, being able to have those conversations, the big conversations yep. over breakfast type thing, and and actually completely reduce the cost of living. So yeah, by having tiny houses, construction cost was right down. Um, we had a bore, so mm-hmm. we could have got free water plus roof water collection yep. plus we could have used atmospheric water generators if needed. Um, solar power would have removed the cost of solar. 
And then we actually, part of the, the property we were buying had a commercial property on it, in which case everybody who bought into the village would have been a shareholder of it, mm-hmm. receive a dividend, and that would have offset the cost of ownership or any mortgages they had or yeah. anything like that. So not not true demonetized living, but the closest we could get in today's could, age. Yeah, because but the entry point might seem for like to buy into it, it might have seen a large chunk, but it was a lot smaller than an average house in Auckland. And it, uh, I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but it was a couple of years. It was like two or three or four years, and then it was literally it was break even, right? Um, oh, and absolutely. It, yeah, yeah, on that model, and that was, it was so amazing. I remember when Karen first told me the first time, he, I was like, "Cool, can I get in?" And he's like, "Sorry, mate, it's already all gone." Right? I was like, "I want, I want to get in. Give me one. I want to sign up." But um, just to come back with the freedom cone and talking about all of that, the is the foundation from this built on um, property. Because fundamentally, we are talking about changing the model and everything else. But is it adding all these future techs or these better ways of living around the property investment model or using property as the the ship to achieve it? Because obviously, it, it, it is part of the business. I just want to see if it is you using it to make the money, to make the technology, to make the better living, or are you going to use it as part of the business model all the way forward, that through property we're going to just build it um, hand in hand together. Yeah. So uh, it's not about making money through property mm-hmm. to, f- to fund everything. Yep. It's about everybody lives in a house. Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately not. Well, yep. I mean, everyone should live in a house. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have people still living in cars yep. and under bridges. But but it's, it's about reframing what that house looks like. Mm-hmm. And so imagine this. Imagine if your house paid you to live in it. Yep. So it's it's rethinking how we live in houses uh, and then demonetizing that. So there's actually three sort of pillars to what we do in Freedom Code. Mm-hmm. Um, the first being the actual real estate development, yep. where we are working to to develop these actual communities. And like I said, you know, this is a lifelong mission. I'm 35 right now. Yeah. I've I've got another 80 years or so to 80 it. Years. <laughs> hey, don't get me started. I'm, <laughs> I'm here to talk about future of property, not future of health. But real, <laughs> realistically, we will live to 120, 150 yep. if, if we don't just Destroy not me, own. but you know, knock yourself out. I know what my future looks like, mate, with my conditions. Yeah, yeah. If I'm 80, I'm good. Yeah, sweet as. Um, but yeah, so, so you know, the actual demonetization as all the technologies yeah. come together will be a lifelong thing. So we've said, well, how can we just start incorporating little things now? Mm-hmm. And that was one of the big lessons from Murawai was that was just too foreign for council. Yeah. And so we said, okay, what if we do traditional developments, but we just change it up 1%. Mm-hmm. So we've We've got one development at the moment, which um, is is happening up in Pai here. So it'll be a lifestyle development mm-hmm. um, right on the Waitangi River. So the, the target market will be Aucklanders, 50, yep. 60 year old Aucklanders looking for a sort of early retirement, able to work from home. So we're building proper offices mm-hmm. into the, like, not, not the little shitty studios, which, you know, the developers of the 90s and 2000s called an office, but a yep. proper mm-hmm. studio. Um, that way they can keep their Auckland jobs, earn an Auckland salary, live up in the Bay of Islands, work from home, right on the water, go kayaking, two minutes to the waterfall. Yep. But because it's also a community, we can start to do things like put solar panels on the houses, connect them to each other through microgrids, yep. which means now all of a sudden, yeah, my house can 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 provide your house with electricity when I'm when I'm done, right? Yep. So if we just do it 
little bit by little bit by little bit. And once that becomes normal, okay, maybe we can bring something else and bring something else and bring something else in and get back to that, you know, that ultra vision. So that's what we're trying to do. That's the ultimate goal mm-hmm. because ultimately we all live in houses. Um, and I think the, the business model, the structure behind how we own and live in houses really needs to change in order to make it one more equitable for mm-hmm. all. How many people can't afford houses? And then two, those who can afford houses are still paying ridiculous mortgages, yep. which traps everybody into into a shitty job that they hate. Yep. Um, so that's the core foundation. And then what we did is because um, I've had two attempts, right? <laughs> I've I've done one in Bali, uh, which was great fun, um, but not quite the right people and yep. not quite the right structure. And then of course Mirawine. And so we said, well, rather than starting with the physical real estate community, what if we started building up the online community mm-hmm. as well? So that's where more of the education comes in. If we can start helping people to create their freedom today, um, one, hopefully there'll be investors in our yeah. projects. And, you know, that's always a big thing. Where are you going to get the money from? Um, but two, like the ultimate goal is that people are just out doing good in the world, right? Yep. So I think they all start to work in with each other really well. The education side, the actual physical property side, mm-hmm. and then um, actually having an investment side to help fund it all. Yeah, but the, and the main thing, just for anyone that's listening and watching at the moment with this, is and to make sure. I know Karen. I've known Karen for a good few years, and um, and I know where he's true to his heart. All of this is fundamentally to make the world a better place. So if anyone is watching, and going, oh, they bought in another development for the rich uh, person in Auckland to go and live in. That's not what the goal is. It's to give the opportunity to people to move into a community that gives them what we deserve as humans, but fundamentally the, the the cost of entry is a lot lower. The benefits to myself and the wider community is way higher than what it is at the moment. So it's not about, hey, we're looking at a, a funky way to make money for other people. It's just about making a, a, a better world out there to to say that. Because I know some people that might listen or watch this and I'm going, oh, it's another person doing another you know, rich man's development <laughs> and wants investors and stuff. And it's not about that. No, and and when we from the investment side, when I first set up the the model or the idea, the goal was how can you give life changing returns to anyone? Yeah. Um. You know, I've I've spent a lot of time in Bali, and and they don't have access to all these sorts of returns. And I was like, well, if they could just invest one dollar and still receive really good returns on that dollar, that's going to change their lives, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not about doing funky rich man's developments at all. There is going to be a, a starting point to mm-hmm. it. It's it's exactly the Elon Musk model with yep. Tesla, right? I'm going to start with a really expensive yep. convertible, um, which is only going to be afford to the, affordable for the super wealthy, but that's going to give us the money in order to go do the yep. next development, the next development, the next development. Um, everything is cost, you know, it is related to the different areas. Yep. So, you know, being right on the river in the Bay of Islands, yeah, the land's <laughs> going to be more expensive, right? Um, but when we get to the point that we do have flying cars or Hyperloops or whatever, and I can go into, I don't know, somewhere, Tomaranui or something, mm-hmm. where I can pick up an entire farm for 300000 for example, and, yep. you know, and, and we can put 100 people on there. Well, that, that re- greatly reduces the cost of entry. But... That doesn't exist right yeah. now, so it's 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 about how we play, how we work with the conditions today, mm-hmm. knowing that they will change in the future, and being ready for that. How much how much of a challenge is it that in New Zealand we 
because the property market is such a part of the bloodline in New Zealand, but they also the the council, the government, the banking have such a strong hold on it. How much do you think you can chip away of it compared to the models that are we seen in Europe, right, or overseas or in America, Europe, and that stuff? A lot of the stuff that you're thinking about or doing really exists in some formats in some villages. I know you've told me stories about in these locations, they're already doing it, and it's well-received and accepted. But in New Zealand, we like the community, they're almost, not the community, sorry, the, the council, the government's like, no, 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 no. We want to stay status quo. We're not sure because it's just so almost so out there. I know you're talking about changing one percent, but do you think, realist, do you think, in your view, you'd be able to make enough change to keep the 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 momentum with energy rolling over the next three, five, ten years um, in this mission? I I do think so, and what we're starting to notice is. I mean, you think about it. Councils and government are actually run by the people. Yeah. So if if enough people don't like it, change will happen. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see that in the tiny house space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as we come into the next recession, it's only going to increase. The number of people wanting tiny homes or, or smaller dwellings or whatever is going to increase and the government will be forced, forced to adapt and, yep. and make new rules and, and, you know, make it easier for people. So I think... Um, there's there's one element of doing what's already within the existing framework, and then there's two. I I definitely don't want to be the one lobbying government and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I've, I've just stepped down as chairman of the tiny house association for that reason. Like yeah. that's just not my cup of tea. Um, but if we can, um, if I think we can keep chipping away. And then what I've noticed is you look back in history, everything works in cycles. Mm-hmm. So off the last crash, two thousand eight. Yeah. All of a sudden, um, you know, money was scarce, everything was harder, so people had to adapt. So new models came up, and then when those new models were introduced, the councils, the governments, they have to adapt to it. Yeah, one of two of are so true. Talking about the models out of that, and just from a from a business point of view, from looking at that model to anyone that's out there. Two of the biggest and most successful companies that, that ever exist today actually came out after 08 um, in that time period, and that would be Uber and Airbnb, right? Yeah. The, that changed and revolutionized the model. I mean, the joke is that um, Uber is the largest um, taxi service that doesn't own a car, and Airbnb, Airbnb is the largest um, hotel or room service that doesn't own a property Yeah. because that came out from that model. So it will be real interesting like um, to see it out of um, – after sort of 2022, even 2023, because fundamentally we still, the, the society we live in, especially New Zealand, doesn't want to admit the the shitstorm we are in from an economy point of view, right? And I, I think it's a big thing because we, what, are less than a year now from election, so the current government, which is not usually a money uh, money government, I don't want to get into much in the politics, so they don't want to go out and go, hey, actually we're in a real bad position, I don't know, I'm going to manage it, which would literally chest dive their, their own elections for next year. But we are in a bit of a hard position at the moment. Inflation, um, the economy, things going all over the place, cost of living and everything else. Um, and to see how that is going to affect our society over the next sort of 18 months, two years. Absolutely. And, and the funny thing is that once you get into these tricky situations, that's where innovation thrives. Yeah. Because it's it's you either you either adapt and and roll with something new or you die mm-hmm. literally, and so yeah, I think that's really really when we're going to start seeing new things. I don't think I'm the one pioneering the change. I think the changes the change is going to happen, yep. 
it's just you know being the futurist we i've seen you know i've seen the the macro picture of what's yeah. going to happen you know i can't say the tiny tiny details or i'm not <laughs> even going to try to do dates or years or whatever yeah. but we we know roughly which way society is going to go um other people are going to be the ones that lead the change but if if we can if i can be the one that actually brings it all together to converge it and i think the biggest issue is actually the way that we own homes yep. and if we because everyone goes, how do you give a house for free? Mm-hmm. Well, the house would never be for free, but there's other benefits the, on top. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the user, it's yeah. the way the user. You know, when I say the user shouldn't have to pay the user. So to give you an example, through my early twenties, I worked on the mines and I worked on the oil rigs. Mm-hmm. I had my house for free. I had I didn't pay electricity. I didn't pay for any food. Mm-hmm. I didn't pay for any water. Now that was because I was in the middle of a desert <laughs> working on a mine site or middle of the ocean on yeah. an oil rig, right? But it made sense to the company in order to pay all of that because it still made a profit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the actual end structure will look like, but imagine if you can produce so much electricity through your home mm-hmm. that it's actually worthwhile um, someone would actually build the home for you and you're just like a, a caretaker yeah. um, managing managing the, the solar panels or something and mm-hmm. the, the electricity gets paid back to the grid and that's such a benefit to the company that it's worth their while doing it. I, I know of a model of that right now. So I've got a friend that did solar um, out in the countryside and what happens is um, the, the obviously – a couple of years ago when solar solar's been still massive but the roi is not as great anymore because so many people flood in the pipeline but you can't transfer it right so you're talking about you can't build the grids between houses and transfer it between one and the other one um but also batteries have been exceptionally expensive to hold it so most people get uh, um the solar and then you've got to use what you save and you can't actually store up you know in some you can't store up days and days and all the rest of it um so what that happened is council approached him to said hey we'll put in the latest tesla big batteries in the property um, at council's cost under the proviso if there's ever power outage, the council's got access to that grid, to their stored power. Mm, but that's now, interesting. Yeah, so, but a real interesting one because when you said about that one, I was like, oh, yeah, that, I've seen that already. So he's got – he doesn't pay power anymore because he's got the largest batteries on the market. He can store up more than he ever needs. He understands that at certain stage there's a risk that the power goes out in the countryside, all that power is going to be consumed off, out of his property to be shared to where it needs to be. And there's multiple of these sites um, uh, sprawled out that the council has done um, to allow them to actually build another power grid as soon as there's an outage. But for the user at the end, for him, no more power, no more power bill. Yeah, perfect. Oh, I hope that's Auckland. I'm going to hit them up about doing exactly <laughs> Yeah, the same. it is, yeah. Oh, brilliant. And this is the thing, right? Like if you think back in the day, like you think 1950s, it was all big projects or yeah. even 1920s to sort of 50s, right? It was huge projects mm-hmm. and the state was the one paying for it all. Yeah. You know, you think Hoover Dam type stuff, yeah. right? Huge mega projects. But now the, um, the red tape to do that sort of thing yeah. is just ridiculous. So everything's actually coming down to that smallest scale mm-hmm. and and more of them spread throughout you know like you say airbnb you don't have one big hotel mm-hmm. you have a, a room or a house just all over the place yeah. and so that's really yeah that's the direction we're going to be going and and more yeah decentralized so away from central government mm-hmm. and even starting to get away from from main city councils into probably more wards and even down into like the local street level imagine an entire street just being able to look after each other 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I mean, again, we're probably talking 30 to 50 years type yep. stuff here, but I think that's, we're, we're, we're getting things, newer developments should be starting to incorporate a lot of this stuff. Um, or or communities coming together to yeah. make it happen for them. In fact, I think most of this will be community led, not government led. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's it's an exciting future for sure. I mean, that brings it back to the question, right? If you didn't have to go to work, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And so, by the time everyone says travel and spend more time with their family, although after the COVID lockdowns, <laughs> not <No>. so much <laughs> spending time with the family, right? Um, everyone says help people. Yeah. They want to help people. And I think I, I still see the fundamental good in everyone. And I think that's if, if I can help more people stop working simply to, to pay the bills, mm-hmm. then there's going to be more epic change makers, everyday heroes out in the, in the world yep. just doing that little bit of good. That's so true. I mean, someone like Dave Latelli that I've had on my show before, um, that's what's a New Zealander's Choice uh, Person of the Year award. Like, you know, that's fundamentally what he does, right? So he goes and um, helps the communities and drives and everything else because he got to the stage of building, being able to do what he wants to do from the model that he built up and does everything every day that what he's passionate to him. And it is an, an interesting question because I was watching a video just recently uh, talking to a couple of podcasts as well and guys and going, okay, if you didn't have to do, do all of this and you had the money or you had the freedom, let's not, not say money, I don't want to bring power into money. Just If you had the freedom, you know, what would you still do? What would your day look like? What, what would you focus on compared to what you're focusing on now? And then that question is always really interesting to people because you can really – to some people like you and me, we do a lot of what we love already. Yeah, um, I do. <laughs> I do it outside of my day job. You know, so I do it. So, like I say, I got a five to nine, and then I got a. Uh, so I got a nine to five, and then I got a five to nine. And my, <laughs> and my five to nine is sort of my is my passion, and uh, and I love all of that. But you're, it's quite interesting when you do speak to people about what they do because they have to do it compared to what they want to do, and so how extremely vast different that is. So someone sitting at a desk job all day because that's how they pay bills, but what they're really passionate about is totally different and totally extreme and on the other side. And you go like, oh, but we must be able to bring that together or must be able to convert that over as well and give them that opportunity because, man, it's, it's we've got such a short period of time on, on earth for us to be sucking through it for 40 years, yeah. not to at least enjoy some component of it, right? That whole mentality of when my parents grew up was do your 40 years to 65 and then retire and then, I mean, crock and everything else and then, then enjoy the world. Why? You know? Absolutely. So that's, um, that's really where we bring the education side yeah. in. Um, so it's a, it's a model that I call the wealth ladder. Yep. Um, so first level is, is very much about your personal finances. Are you, are you spending less than you earn? Are you saving? Da, da, da. But there are still things that people can be doing right now. Mm-hmm. The first thing is conscious consumerism. Are you, you know, within your budget, are you spending money in the areas you want to, um, supporting the businesses mm-hmm. you want to as a consumer? Um, for me, you know, trying to use as little plastic as possible yep. or composting bags or anything like that. Um, we've recently been been playing a little bit with food boxes mm-hmm. as, you know, the... the um, you know, saved from the the, the supermarkets mm-hmm. or the, the wonky, ugly fruit. Yeah, I've, I've seen those, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we're like, okay, well, let's at least check them out and, and see if, the, you know, one, there's still quality and there's two, then does it actually align with our values? Yeah. So that's the very first step anyone can do, just is your, is your spending actually in line with your values? Mm-hmm. The second thing is go out and volunteer for an organization. So you can still be in your desk job that yeah. you hate, but if you're spending one day a month with an actual 
organization that you love and that lights you up, yep. that's awesome. Second level is all about your investing, right? You don't need to go out and change the world, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just is your investing actually in line with your values? Is your KiwiSaver fund in line or are they investing in weapons and mm-hmm. alcohol, tobacco or anything like that? If, if that's not in line with your values, well, you can change it to one that is. You can make sure that any of the shares you own are actually in companies which align with your values again. And then mm-hmm. you can set. So I, I have a very small amount where I don't even look at the financials behind the company, yep. but companies like Beyond Meat, Virgin Galactic, yep. um, Tesla, mm-hmm. you know, they're all in line where with the future that I want to see. And so me as an investor, I can actually help that company to make their mission come true yep. by investing in them. So those are a couple of strategies people can utilize to to be more in line with the, the future they want to see, the, the do good in the world that they want to do without having to quit a desk job <laughs> and, you know, end up going down to Antarctica to save penguins from killer robots or something. I don't know. I don't <laughs> but yeah. Killer whales. Killer, killer robotic I'm, whales. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting in between a penguin and a killer whale anytime soon. But, you know, yeah, well, on that note, Right to, to quit their job and go join Greenpeace yep. on on a um, one of their boats yep. preventing whaling. Yep. Right, like epic if you do that, but that's not for everyone. And the reality mm. is, if you've got a family, if you've got a mortgage, you you're not in a financial position to do that. Yeah, totally agree there. One one last thing I want to throw right in the end there, and we we spoke a little bit in the beginning. We've spoken about it before, um, and you mentioned it. Something that we might t- touch base in my company, using market. It was the whole um, crypto mortgages or crypto uh, property. Um, so we've spoken previously about blockchain property, right? So both of us invest in blockchain property, uh, and we still do at the moment. And um, it's been rumbling in New Zealand. Um, it hasn't happened officially as yet as known because I don't think anyone's willing to take that step or throw that money in there. But I, I still think there's an opportunity within New Zealand as well for it to play and to change the property game in, in, in entirety to allow people to get into the market at a lower entry point and so forth from there. So, But talk me through a little bit about your thoughts around crypto mortgages specifically and where you see this sort of game playing out. Yeah, so... In in essence, if you think about what a, a mortgage is, it's it's the bank. I mean, without getting into a whole <laughs> different side of things as to where money actually comes from, right? But the bank bank gives you a loan um, of a certain amount, and then they put a first mortgage on your property. Mm. So most people say, "I don't own my property." The bank owns. Yeah. So that's not true. You own the title to your property. The bank just controls it because they have a mortgage on your title. So there will be a way, I mean, I, especially once we end up, I, th- I think crypto mortgages probably won't come into fruition, true crypto mortgages, until we actually do have property on the blockchain. Yep. So if we can have our physical title on the blockchain, which has been done now. Um, have them. Was that a Spanish company? Okay. Because most people, just to take a step back, when Karen's talking about uh, pr- uh, pure property on the crypto, so how current... Um, uh, properties that are across blockchain have run till recently, unless there has been a breakthrough. Is a company, let's say company A buys property B, then they take the shares in company A and they make that crypto. Then you buy a share of company A that owns property B. So you don't have um, the the block. You don't own the 
the, the real estate no. through the blockchain, but you own the company through the blockchain, which then has the share in the property. So that's how it's been majority in the last couple of years of our plane. And the, the, the pure model is directly buying crypto um, directly to the property to have across the title. So, so, so it all comes down to title. Yeah. Right. Everything is actually about the title. You yep. you don't own property. You own the title yep. to the property. At least in New Zealand, yep. and at least with Crown Land, right? <laughs> There's always going to be someone. Um. So so if we can take that title and we can put that on the blockchain, then whoever owns that that title on the blockchain mm-hmm. owns the property, right? Yep. And that means at the moment. I mean, New Zealand's still ahead of the rest of the world with mm-hmm. this stuff. This is a crazy thing. Whereas I feel like we're light years, we're light years <laughs> in the past, but we're still ahead of everyone, right? So if 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 I want to buy a property from you, then we have to go through all this conveyancing, da 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 da, right? But if that was on the blockchain, then literally within whatever whatever blockchain it's on, if it was you know Ethereum, yeah. we're talking thirty minutes or so. If yeah. We're talking well, you minutes. can't do it on Bitcoin anyway. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk minutes, right? Yeah. Then or even seconds. Then the minute that my money transfers over to your wallet, you can be transferring the actual title over into my wallet, and now I own that that. Mm-hmm. title now the problem is do i have five hundred thousand sitting <laughs> in you know is it, is it like whatever new zealand digital coin or yeah. usdt or whatever i don't typically have that but if that title is on the blockchain then there will be a way that you can have a smart contract with a crypto mortgage yep. in which case it's all tied together mm-hmm. so that if i stop paying my mortgage then they'll just repossess the title and it's like As there's nothing is. i can do about yeah. it right because it's all on the blockchain it's all smart contracts so it just happened and I, oh no i don't <laughs> have my property anymore so that's how I see that happening. There is one company in Texas, which is, they claim to do crypto mortgages, but they will give you a loan based on um, you owning crypto assets, in this case, USDC, yeah. um, which is which is a stable coin. So it makes no sense to me why they would do that. <laughs> but mm. yeah, so, so they're kind of getting into the space and like everything, it's always a transition. Yeah. But the minute that we have a tokenized title mm-hmm. then you can you should be able to get a mortgage against that all on the blockchain yep and that'll change the market that'll just change everything drastically really quickly and everything else but before we go down too much further down this rabbit hole we could talk for hours on this and we might lose a bit of the audience as we go really in depth if you want to learn more around blockchain property a lot about it does go back on the existing show like i said karen's been on multiple multiple times long form and short form you can take a look where we talk about that as well but um, Karen, before we end off today's show, if anyone that's interested to learn more about Freedom Co. or yourself, where can they find you? I, I'm, I'm a social media slut just like you are. <laughs> <laughs> just type my name and you'll be able to find me. Otherwise, um, I, I do go by The Freedom Investor um, under most most socials, Insta, mm. Facebook, um, YouTube. Yeah, mm. so really easy, KyronGoss.com. Yeah, I, 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 I think you you really you, I think you're really proud that you're the only Kyron Goss in the world, right? Isn't that? Isn't I've, that? I've always said that, and then <laughs> yeah. actually, I did I did a quick search, and there's like a Kyron Gossel or something. Oh, close South African too, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, this is getting close, like heart skipping a beat. <laughs> I did that check on my own person, on my own personal name when I was in research, and I know there's me, and I know there's one older guy in America. 
oh, the okay. exact same spelling. So, um, so I know there's only two of us that I could find in the world at the moment living with the same name and so it's close enough. And it doesn't look like he's very active in social. So I'm not going to have oh, any. I'm not going to have any clashes. Um, but awesome. Thanks for that. Um, to giving all your details, Karen, and to everyone else as always. Um, thanks for coming over to the Wolf or Queen Street podcast. If there's something that resonated with you today with what Karen had said, the the future model, the way of the world needs to be actually is what a big thing what Karen's trying to achieve. By all means, reach out, have a watch, have a follow of Karen's um, socials out there. There's some really cool stuff when you go and talk about taking water out of the air, right? Uh, you've done a video about that. Your plants at home that you literally get pay, um, you pay in a company that brings you the exact amount of veggies that you need on a weekly basis that's controlled by computers to see when it needs to be replaced. Such cool technologies we don't know, don't realize actually exist in New Zealand right now that can make a benefit to us all. But um, thanks for that, for Karen, um, for um, for showing us all of that. And for everyone else, as always, at the end of the show, I don't go out and say, hey, make sure you like and subscribe on the show. And that I say, if there's something important today that you took from this, if there's something out there that you saw from Karen's point of view or anything else, please share it out there. Please tell people about it and so forth so that they can get a benefit from it. I don't care that it has to grow, me has to grow or the brand has to grow. I care that you that's listening and watching has to become a better version of yourself, a better person within the community and the community itself has to grow. So anything that can be done in that sense, please do that. But as end, as always, stay beautiful, stay powerful and see ya.